Father, we thank you for this morning, and we thank you that we can come knowing, God, that we can build a life on you, a firm foundation. Father, we thank you for saving us, God, for calling us out of death and bringing us into life. And God, we pray that as we just brought worship to you this morning, God, it was honoring to you. God, we love you. We pray that you'd speak to us through your word this morning. God, have your way in us. Do what you need to do in us, Lord. We love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, today we're going to look at the second part of the story of the waiting father, the prodigal son. And today we'll talk about the older son. Luke chapter 15. So, verses 1 and 2 lets us know that the purpose of these three parables was that the Pharisees and the scribes, they had an issue with Jesus because he was receiving sinners and eating with them. And so, in order to address this grumbling they had, he gives three stories. The parable of the lost coin and the stories about that a woman loses one out of ten coins and she turns the house upside down looking for that one coin because of the value of that one coin. And then uh, uh, he tells a story of the lost sheep. There's a hundred sheep in the fold. One goes missing and he leaves the 99 and he goes after the one. And then the parable of the, of the prodigal son. And Jesus tells a story that two men... One man had two sons, and the youngest son, he wanted his share of the estate. He was tired of the farm life, and, and he wanted to go about his business and live it up, you know. And so uh, the father agrees to give him what he was, had coming to him would be at his death, which was one-third of the estate, which is obviously a, probably a pretty good amount of money. And so he gives him one-third of the estate, and a couple days later, the son leaves out, and it just says that he goes to the far country. And he goes to the far country, and he lives it up. And he parties, and he spends money very recklessly, foolishly. And when he runs out of money, uh, a famine hits that part of the world. And he is in great need. He's hungry. He, he's got to find some work in order to sustain himself. And so he hires out to a farmer, a pig farmer, and it's there feeding that farmer's pigs that the prodigal son comes to himself and realizes that the servants that work for his dad have more food than he's got. And he realizes that, that he needs to return home. And so uh, while he was there, no one helped him and he's destitute. And so... He comes to himself, he comes to his senses, he realizes how foolish he had been. And so he says, I'm going to go home and I'm just going to apologize to my dad, I'm going to repent. And since I have uh, squandered all this money and I've treated my family so poorly, I don't deserve to be a son, I'll just go back and if I can just be one of my dad's servants, it'll be okay. And the scripture tells us that the father goes and looks down that long road and he sees his son coming, and he has compassion for his son. He runs to his son, and he grabs him, and he hugs him, and he kisses him. And the son says, Dad, I've sinned against you and against God. I'm no worthy to be your son. He said, you know, if I can just be a servant, and, and the dad turns away and says, servants to his servants, 
go get my son a robe, go get a ring for his finger, and put some shoes on his feet, and get that fattened calf, and let's have a party. That's what the father did. And so the son received the ring. He has the rights of the sonship again. He has been restored. He has been reconciled. He's been forgiven, and he's been lifted to a place in the family. And in, in our way of salvation, understanding this, it's, it's like justified, justification. In Jesus Christ, the blood of Christ, we are justified. And that position of being justified means that it's as if we've never done wrong. And now this guy definitely did wrong. He definitely made poor choices. He definitely betrayed his family. He definitely brought shame to their name. He definitely wasted money. He definitely hurt them. I mean, he, there's no question about that he was wrong. There's no question about that. But the dad who owns everything, that's our father, it's his right to do with his kingdom as he sees fit, as he wants to do. And his father chose to restore his son, to bring him back into the family, to, to meet all his needs. And that's the picture of salvation for us. Now, we pick the story up in verse 25. Now, all this is going on and the party is happening. They, they've got that, that cow on the, on the spit He's being, he's being roasted up nice and good, and they're dancing, and they're celebrating, and they're having a grand old time. In verse 25, now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. What in the world's going on? I think that's his spirit there. And he called one of his servants... And asked what these things meant. What in the world's going on here? Why is there music and dancing in our house? What's happened? And the servant said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. Verse 28, but he was angry. The older son refused to go in. Not going to do it. Not going to go in. I'm not going to celebrate. I'm going to stay out here. Obviously, he's angry. He's upset. He refused to go to the party. He absolutely refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, begged him, son, come on in the party. Man, your brother's home. Come on, come on back in here. Come enjoy our celebration. Welcome your, your brother back home. But he answered his father, look. Now, he's setting him straight. The older son is, is setting his father straight. Look, look here, he says. These many years, I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, this son of yours he didn't say, when my brother came home, he just says, that son of yours, had, does, is, is that 
phrasing in your house? Henry, that son of yours is out there messing up the garden again. You've heard that? That son of yours is late. That son of yours, he's messed up his room. That daughter of yours, you know, it's not my daughter or not my son, it's yours. You're the one that's got to fix all that, right? And he says, this son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes. Man, there's a lot behind that, isn't there? We've been working hard all these years. We've been laboring. We, this is a difficult, difficult job we have, a difficult life we have. And your son, this son that you're now having a party for, he took your property and he wasted it on prostitutes and you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, this is the father speaking back to the older son. Son, you are always with me and all that, I ha all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for your, this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. But the older son, he wasn't in the right place. He couldn't go in the party. Some lessons for us here. Some things to understand from this older son and and to ask ourselves a question, where is our heart to the justification, the making right, the forgiveness, the restoration, and the reconciliation of people? Are we open to the mission of Jesus? Is our heart in the right place? Our, is our heart where it needs to be? First thing here, lesson for us today. You can be in the right place, doing the right thing, but not have a good heart. The son was out in the field working. The son was doing what he was supposed to do. This, is, this, is, this day is no different than any other days. He's responsible. He's loyal. He's dependable. I mean to tell you, when the father says for him to do something, he goes and does it. Son, go out there and cut the grain. Son, go out there and take care of the hay. Son, go out there and, and, and weed the garden. Go out there and hold the things. You know, take care. Go out there and make sure the sheep are okay. Go out there and take care of the goats. Go out there and feed the cows. Take care of everything. That son always responded. It says, I've always obeyed your commands. I've been here. I stayed home. I'm okay with being home. And he's out there in the, in the field in the right place, doing the right thing. But his heart is not. You know, we can go to church. We can be faithful. From the, we can be do all the right things. You can sing the songs. You can read the word. You can teach the Bible. You can help with the kids. You can do this and do that. Always in the right place. Always doing the right thing. And your heart is not at the same spot. And that's what we see here with his older son. And that's why he couldn't go to the party. His heart wasn't there. He didn't feel it. He just was mad. He was angry, which is the second thing. When he hears what the father's done, when he hears that his younger brothers come home, he's angry. And it's obvious that this anger is the kind of anger that is now controlling him. Ephesians says, you know, be angry, but do not sin. Now, some anger's okay. William Booth became angry about the homeless and the, and the poverty situation in London in the 1800s. And the result of that anger 
And the result of that passion that caused him to be angry about the situation is the Salvation Army. And that's what that anger did. Anger sometimes moves us to do the right thing. That's not anger that leads to sin. But anger that controls us, anger that gets in the way of being able to go to the party when someone has been forgiven, when someone has come home, when someone repents of their sin, we are holding their sin against them. They have hurt us. They have harmed us. And that's this brother's situation. I mean, don't you know that he goes out there and someone says, hey, you heard from your brother? That sorry sucker. No, we ain't heard from him. He's a scoundrel. I'm never going to talk to him again. I want nothing to do with him. He, he's always been that way. He's always been a problem. He's always talked back to dad. He's always disrespected mom. He's never been a good guy. He's always been a problem. He's always argued with us. He's always caused me, you know, pain. I can see the older son just, just day after day after day, the anger grows and grows and grows and grows. And so when the opportunity came for him to go to the party that's in celebration that God has brought his son home, he can't go into the party. Anger has taken hold of him. You need to think about anger. You need to consider anger. And you need to ask yourself the question that's a very difficult question for us to ask ourselves, the same question that Jonah was, was dealt with. Jonah, do you have the right to be angry? Older son, do you, you know, skipper here, do you have the right to be angry? To ask ourselves that question, do we really have the right to be angry? What are we angry about? Why are we angry? And do we have the right to be angry? And if it leads to sin that controls us, then obviously we don't have the right to be angry. And anger will get in the way of us being in the right place in the right time, doing the right thing with our heart, not just in our actions. Do you have the right to be angry? He's angry. He's angry. And something else here that I think is really valuable for us to see, in verse 29, the older son had a bad case of the eyes. He had a bad case of, what about me? Look there, it says, I've always served you. I've never disobeyed you. You've never gave me a young goat to celebrate with my friends. You've never celebrated all the good things I've done for you. And the son here, the older son, he is so full of what about me, he can't go to the party. He can't go to the party. We need to be careful when we can't go to the party because we're in the way. What about me? What about me? What about me? What about me? What about what I've done? You see, the older son felt neglected. He felt absolutely neglected. He felt like his father has mistreated him in having the party for his son. The older son is hurt. He is done. And we see that very clearly when he says, this son of yours, <laughs> not my brother, but this son of yours, man, 
hurt and pain and, and, and the anger that grows can sure sour our disposition, can it? Can sure sour disposition. Now, a lesson here that's really important to get. What's going on here? The older son is focusing more on what his younger brother has done more than what his father is doing. Now, here's the truth. If you focus on the people at the church, you'll always be upset. If you focus on what people in your family do or don't do, it'll always, it, it, it'll be a difficult time for you. Now, I don't have a brother. I don't have a sister. And, and, and so I don't have that going for me here. But I hear that some of the most painful experiences for people to endure in life is when their brothers or sisters betray them, hurt them in some way. It's a hard thing. It's, it's also hard in the church family when the brothers and sisters misbehave in such a way they betray us, they, they, uh, they speak slander, they do this, they do that. And, and we feel the, the, the pain of that as a church family, as brothers and sisters in the Lord. And so, man, this older son was so obsessed on what this younger son did that he's missing what the father is now doing. And we need to be careful of that. The father welcomed him home. The father restored him. The older son can't even give his younger brother a chance. The lesson of the father. You've always been with me. I've recognized that. That's what he says. You've always been with me. Wait a minute here. Let's, you said, look, you straighten me out. Now let me straighten you out. Let me be objective with you. The older son's subjective. He's just, his feelings are in charge. His anger is in charge. His hurt is in charge, right? And, and the father says to him, wait a minute here, son. This is not true. This is not the way it is. You've always been with me. In other words, we've always been together. I've recognized that. All I have is yours. All that is mine is yours. Wait a minute here. Man, so you're my son. You're valued. You have not been neglected. And we need to hear that. Our Father communicates that. He has shown that to us. You may be going through a situation and you feel like God's done with you. You may feel like you have the right to be angry at God. He says, you're always with me. I have not neglected you. I have cared for you. I have provided for you. I have given you what you need to have. And that's what the father says to the older son. You're missing it, boy. Your, your perspective is wrong. You've got it wrong. We've always been together. I've not neglected you. All that is mine is yours. And it is fitting, the father says to the son. It is fitting. It is right. It's the right thing to do. Your, your little brother was dead, but now is alive. 
was lost but is now found. Son, here's what you're missing out on. You're thinking only of earthly. We're having a party for the eternal in there. You're only thinking about a short period of time in this boy's life. I'm thinking about forever, and I'm celebrating forever. But the son was so focused and obsessing on the earthly that he couldn't go on the party and celebrate the eternal. Now, a lot of people believe that the, 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 this parable is about two lost sons. The younger son is lost, and they also say that the older son was lost. Now, I personally don't believe that it's a parable of two lost sons. I think it's a parable of one lost son and one misguided son. One son that his heart's out of joint. One son, the older son, that is a good man a faithful guy, a dependable guy, reliable. But the pain has got his heart misguided. The hurt has got him off of what really, truly matters. Now, the parable of the vineyard. Some people go to work at 6 o'clock in the morning. The owner of the vineyard goes out there and hires some people to go to work. He goes back at 9 o'clock and hires some people. They go to work in the vineyard. He comes back at 12 o'clock noon and hires some people to go work in the vineyard. He comes back at 3 o'clock and hires some people to work in the vineyard. He comes back at 5 o'clock in the afternoon and hires even more people to go work in the vineyard. At 6 o'clock, the end of the day, bell rings. And they all come to meet with the owner of the vineyard and he pays the people that went to work at five, $10. He pays the one that went to work at three, $10. He paid the one that went to work at noon, $10. He pays the one that went to work at nine, $10. He paid the ones that went to work at six, $10. Now the guys that have worked all day long, they raise their hand and say, wait a minute, this isn't fair. This is not fair. I've worked 12 hours for you out there in that hot sun. I've been out there slaving that vineyard, and I'm going to get paid the same amount of money that that guy did, and he only worked three hours. He only worked one hour. He only worked six hours. We've been out there 12 hours. And the owner of the vineyard said, don't I have the right to do what I think is right with my vineyard? Doesn't seem fair from a human perspective. From the earthly kingdom, God's ways doesn't seem fair. And, and that's the struggle of the older son. He is the one that works at 6 o'clock in the morning. And his younger brother comes home without any clothes, with no shoes on his feet, smelling like no telling what, wasted all that money, and you're rewarding him with a party, 
And God says, it's my son. The father says, it's my world to the workers. So when there's a party for people that have been rescued, that have been forgiven, that have been restored, that have been justified, it's his plan, it's his world, it's what God wants. We don't have a right to stay out of the party. It's his party, it's his world, it's what he wants to do. So the older son, he was stuck on his morality and how good he was. Bad place to be. Anger had controlled him. It'll take you down the wrong road. He had a, a list of what about me? When we're thinking of ourselves, we will always make the poor decisions. It won't be the kingdom decisions. It was fitting for them to put a robe on his body, a, a, a ring on his finger, and shoes on his feet, and get that beautiful calf, the one that's been fattened up with the good grain, the one that the ribeyes are all marbled just right, not that grass-fed mess, but that good marbled-up meat. That's, that's one we're going to eat up today. The very best. We're going to just soak up the drippings of what God has done. He was lost, but he was found. He was dead, but he is now alive. So, today, you might be like the younger son, lost, spiritually separated from God. There can be a party for your reconciliation. There can be a party that you have come to know the Lord and you are born again and you have become one of his children. You have been, you, you get a ring on your finger, a robe on your back and shoes on your feet and a fattened calf for you. You get it all. You get all the Father has to give you. Eternal life, forgiveness of sin, completely, absolutely made right with God. And just receive Christ. Believe in Him. Trust in Him. You also have a wonderful opportunity today. If you're like the older son, you hadn't been enjoying the party of God. You you're not even enjoying your life because you're angry. You're full of what about me's. You're stuck. And you believe that you've been neglected. You believe that you have not been taken care of well by God. You can come to the place and realize that, man, you're wrong. You're out of joint. Your heart's not in the right place. And you need to return to your first love. You need to renew your commitment to God. And, and basically, it's just come to the place where you go, Lord, I'm wrong, and I forgot that this is your world, not mine. This is your vineyard. I don't have the right to complain of what you do or don't do with people. It's your world. You have given me salvation. You have forgiven me of all my sins. I have eternal life, secure. 
And so I guess I need to get over myself and just come to the party and celebrate what you are doing and get your focus off on what people have done or hadn't done and focus on what the Lord's doing. Help us, Lord, to open up our heart to the story of your son. May your will be done. May your spirit guide and lead us. Teach us, show us, help us, Lord, to respond in a way today that we are right in heart and mind with you. In Jesus' name, amen.